You're listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the World Football Program on 107.9 FM. I'm Miranda Templeman, and I'll be your host for today, sitting in the big girl chair over here. Um, today, I have with me um, Penny Tanner-Hoth. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Miranda. And Pete Skiller. How hey. you going? Yeah, good. How'd I do on the last name? Perfect. 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 Much yes. better than Penny. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm resigned for <laughs> Yeah, so today we've got a great lineup for you. We've got Ryan Lennigan on first from Football West Community Manager to talk about all the great things that are happening in WA football over the weekend and up and coming. Then we've got Elizabeth Ree from the WA Government Council um, and she'll be talking with us about all the sport issues and challenges, co- what COVID's bringing up and everything going on. Then wasn't on the announcement, but we I've got time to squeeze in Danny Townsend from the APL so we'll have a quick chat with him which will be great with all the rebranding that's been going on. Um, then we've got Aaron Trevartha, Trevathan yep. yeah, um, from the Football Tragics podcast so more chat about you know where's APL going and the different branding and everything that's going on in Australian football and the, the important big thing is when it's going to start. Yes mm. this is true. I mean they've announced the first few fixtures for both the A-League men and A-League women. I've got that right. Yes, that's perfect. (laughs) And then we've got, to finish off the show, Steph Brantz on um, to talk about women's football and everything that the new branding will affect the women's football and the league that's getting underway. Super exciting. Yeah, and we did celebrate 100 years of representative women's football uh, just recently and Steph's been a part of that. Um, She's a great ambassador for sport and women's football so I'm sure she'll have lots to add into that space for us. Yeah, it should be very exciting. Thank you to all our sponsors. We've got 
Footstool WA with Greg Farrell coming on the show quite regularly and Gate and Fence Hardware. So great to have them. A little shout out. Yep. Um, thanks for keeping us on air. No problems at all. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Oswest Fencing and Rod Iron as well. Yeah. Yeah, very good. So, Pete, do you want to chat us over some weekend scores? There's been a bit of action. Weekend, well, I was actually more excited about Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> I was like, yeah, don't worry about what's happened. Look, look at what's coming up. I was, I was saying to Miranda off air, so uh, Daniel scored against Italy at the World Cup in, in 2014. I thought, well, that's a bit special. That's got to be the first time you know, we've had someone that's done that. Then I realised, well, no, we had Shane Smeltz who scored against Italy at the 2010 World Cup. Then I thought, well, maybe we can see who we're going to get in the future. Who scored against Italy at the 2018 World Cup? Then I went, oh, that's right, Italy weren't there. <laughs> bit of a salt in the wound there for yeah, any Italian right. fans listening. <laughs> I've got to admit, I was a bit gobsmacked when I saw that Perth Glory had... I think s- everyone was. Mm. I know, wow. But, I mean, the link with Brad Jones... I think that, that played, a, played a role. Fantastic. And and Daniel was at, uh, I can't even say it, Tra- Trabnozar, a Turkish team... Um, you know, I suspect maybe he just wanted to come to a bit more of a relaxed, you know, go, get away from yeah, get away from sort of the COVID and Europe and everything, yep. and and uh, bring the young family here. And <clears throat> you'd kind of assume that he's made his money, so to speak. I'm not in any way saying he's not getting paid big bucks by the glory, but you know, he's probably made his money, and and it's more of a lifestyle choice now. Uh, he's 32, which is still. Still plenty of time to tear it up in the A-League. Yeah, I thought he was older than that. But, yeah, that's good. I mean, I think um, Diego Costa... uh, Castro? Castro. Yeah, he's he's older than that. 39 now, so... Yeah, wow. Um, Still going strong. He is, too. I I honestly thought he sort of um, not... He wasn't going to play last season. I thought he's, you know, he's way too old now. But, no, he proved me wrong. He's still going. (laughs) um, And I think they're still talking with him about another season, Mm -hmm. whether... You know, I'd, you'd have to assume by now it'd be in a more of a super sub type role where yeah. he comes on in the 70th minute and creates space and rips it up and then feeds it to Sturridge to bang us in a couple of goals. And, oh, I'm just <laughs> well, getting too excited. Well, well, right that's here. it, right? At the age of 32, he'll have a bit of energy about him. Exactly, yeah. And with Fornaroli up front, oh, I can just see that being So, cool. yeah, he's, mm. he's gone from Suarez as a strike partner to Fornaroli, so he's got a thing for Uruguayans. <laughs> mm, well, I'm looking forward to the season. It might... Uh, Increase the memberships for Perth Glory, which would be good. Yeah, that's true. After the Hopefully season, get some home games as well. Yeah, with everything going on, and last season didn't get as many home games as I think the fans would have liked. Uh, no. I think we had, we did have the allocation. The problem was that because of the hubs and stuff, we mm. had them all at the end. And yeah. even for the diehards, it's a bit hard when you suddenly have four home games in two weeks. And <laughs> you're sort of going on a Wednesday night, and then you're going on a Saturday, and a Wednesday night, and a Saturday. Okay, the diehard diehards will still go, but for everyone else, myself included, that calls themselves a diehard but has a life outside, yeah. you sort of get to the point where it's like, I, I can't make this game. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, on to, uh, as you said, uh, scores. So yeah. so we had the uh, promotion playoff uh, between first division and second division, or, or to get into first division. Uh, and that on Wednesday night, Murdoch University against Swan United uh, played out a one-all draw. I believe Swan United scored very late to tie that one up. And so the... The second leg of that, so the decider is played today, this afternoon, 3pm at home for Swan. Uh, obviously, most goals wins will uh, will wind up in the first division next season. Yeah, that's really good for Mum FC. We've 
kind of been on the cusp in the last couple of years. Mm. Yep. Um, the, the COVID period has been actually really good for Mum FC, not anything to do with the COVID period, but just that the last couple of seasons have been good for generally men's and women's football at the club. Yeah, you've yep. got your Mum FC hat sitting on the bench I know, there. I just have to <laughs> in the middle of the studio. It's not a metaphorical <laughs> Mum FC hat, it's no, a it's, literal it's Mum FC there. hat. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy with that. So good luck to the, the boys today. And, you know, that might mean that um, we'll have, well, it, second division men. I think that's the highest that we've ever been in the men's state league. So moving up into the first division mm-hmm. will be um, a good move for them. It'll be a progressive move. And, now, hopefully it's just the start of them moving upwards because, you know, it'd be great to have the men's and the women's in the NPL at some point in the future. Yeah, definitely. Even though the NPL seasons are over, there's still great football to watch out there, so make sure you get on down to those games. Yeah, there's a whole weekend of football. There's a glory mm-hmm. charity match yep. and the Goldfield Cup as well happening this weekend. I'm sure Ryan will fill us in with more about that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to a break? Yeah, let's go to a break. Stay tuned. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport at all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au G'day, I'm Peter Skeeler, the man behind aleaguestats.com and part of the world football team for 2021. Joining me this year will be women's football expert Penny Tannerhoff, Ashfield Sports Club member Sean Kelly, Subutio expert Hugh Best, and Junior Matilda's goalkeeper Miranda Templeman. We will be with you every Saturday morning through to the end of November talking football. Catch the show on live stream or via our new website, listen in later on the podcast, or land on our Facebook page and share your football news. The World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. If we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we want to play against men, we're nuts. And if we dream of equal opportunity, delusional. When we stand for something, we're unhinged. It's super, it's gonna need to calm down. When we're too good, there's something wrong with us. And if we get angry, We're hysterical, or rational, or just being crazy. But a woman running a marathon was crazy. Officials tried to pull her off the course. A woman boxing was crazy. 
A woman dunking? Crazy. Coaching an NBA team? Crazy. A woman competing in a hit job? Changing her sport? Landing a double cork 1080? Or winning 23 Grand Slams, having a baby, and then coming back for more? Crazy, 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 and crazy. So if they want to call you crazy, fine. Show them what crazy can do. One oh seven point nine FM, your local station. Welcome back, everyone, to the World Football Program. We've got Ryan Lennigan on the line. How are you, Ryan? Hi, team. Always lovely to join you on a Saturday. Morning, Ryan. Yeah. Morning. Thanks for joining us. So we've had a great few weeks for Football West. We had earlier on a few weeks ago the MPL Top Four Cups, and this weekend we've got the Amateur Cup Finals. So give us a wrap of what's going on in the local football space. Yeah, happy to. Amanda. I think that uh, this week kind of is the the culmination of most of our uh, most of our leagues and divisions. So we do have a, we have a couple of um, massive days ahead of us, and so I know that. Uh, you guys spoke, uh, or Pete spoke about the uh, the playoff before. So that that's uh, today at three pm. But then, if you look at the cup day, which is out at Sterling, uh, Sterling Lions, Sterling Macedonia for tomorrow, we have our Metro Cup, our Women's Metro Cup, our Amateur Reserves, and then our um, Amateur Premier. Oh, sorry, Amateur Cup across the uh, across the day. And um, for us, it's it's just a great opportunity to have really a, a family day. It's a, it's a fun filled day. We're really trying to capture that carnival atmosphere and really celebrate uh, across a whole of family experience out at Stirling. Yeah, I thought all the women's competitions were finished. I slipped by that women's cup. Sorry, Pete, when you asked me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that. So who's playing in the women's Metro Cup, Ryan? That women's Metro Cup has Beldivis Districts versus Fremantle City. And so uh, that that's uh, it, it is a change. We That game used to be held in conjunction with the Girls' Cup. Um, however, we really wanted to give the opportunity to uh, the competition to kind of shine um, on the same the same level as uh, our other uh, cup games for the day. Um, and anybody who's been out to Sterling Lions knows how great that facility is. Um, and uh, it certainly showed last night. We had uh, a couple of hundred spectators there for the Masters games last night. They had a great time and um, we look forward to rolling in again tomorrow and kind of seeing out the season from a traditional aspect. Absolutely, and uh, not forgetting that this week has been country week. Does mm. that culminate with some kind of special activity today or tomorrow? So we closed off country week yesterday. We had a we had a fantastic uh, fantastic presentation. I won't lie, we, we had a couple of uh, issues with the, the weather, um, certainly towards the, the latter end of the week. Um, that was hosted at Yoko uh, Regional Reserve, and we had 1,500 participants, probably another 1,000 uh, spectators and parents out there for the week. Um, we were pretty lucky, given that that forecast was suggesting that um, you know there was going to be thunderstorms and hail, and um, ultimately we, we had to make a couple of uh, late fixture changes, but they would have all left uh, very happy uh, yesterday. Some of, those, some of those teams, particularly the ones travelling far, will be uh, staying in Perth for a, a couple of days coming along to Sterling and checking out the football action. But um, uh, it, the great thing about football is that it's, uh, it's got a, a, a strong uh, you know, a strong presence across the state and we can really celebrate that. 
The purpose of Country Week is to identify players or just bring everyone together? It's probably part of both. Uh, it's important that we do have that talent identification uh, as, as part of, of Country Week and that's certainly an important component that we want to make sure that we're putting on the best possible competition to showcase that. But it's also about making sure that uh, we give an opportunity for Country Association to, you know, admittedly uh, only playing against a couple of teams of their age group to really broaden their, their expanse of play against different teams. And that's exactly what Country Week should be all about. It's, uh, it's, it's the mass participation all the way through development. Speaking of country, there's a massive amount of regional competitions happening at the moment. Blackwood Carnival, Buston Carnival, Bunbury Carnival. I can't remember how many others there are. <laughs> um, Margaret River, I think, is happening in next year. Um, but there's a lot happening in the um, post-season space, so it doesn't actually feel like the season's finished yet. Mm. And then Fiverside is starting, and a lot of people I know are doing Fiverside over summer, which is great. season never stops, Penny. I know. 24-7, <laughs> 12 but months of the year. I'm going to get my Sunday sleep in at some point, I know. <laughs> <laughs> After the Bunbury Cup, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, sport, the sport is definitely getting to that point where it's a, a 12 month a year, which is yeah. fantastic. People want to play football all year round. We have opportunities for them to do so. Whether it's the traditional 11 side, whether it's futsal, whether it's walking, whatever it is, there's those opportunities all year round. But those carnivals that uh, a lot of our regional associations host work so well because it's a good opportunity for those teams to go away and celebrate a good year. You know, you, you, whether whether you won or lost on the pitch, you get a get to go away as a team and kind of celebrate um, in a different different region. Mm. And last week, or last time I was on, we talked to Ryan Hoonshooting with Goalball WA and I actually went mm. down yesterday. Good on you. Yeah, and um, talked to the guys and they were saying they've been working with Football West actually um, in the blind sports WA space. Um, and just like the different codes of, I didn't realise how many different codes of football there were that mm. we got running. Like, I, you know, I knew there was the walking football, the five-a-side, but there's so many variations. Like, do they run all through the year? So have you got walking football and that continuing in the summer? We do, Miranda. We've, we've actually got a couple of great opportunities in that space. So we, we run a, a formal competition, so to speak, out of uh, Fox 5 in, in Florida. Um, that one is due to start up again. And um, they, they uh, even though they might be walking, um, they are certainly taking it very seriously. <laughs> uh, for them, a, uh, a sheep station type of battle for, uh, for football. But the good thing is, is that, again, like, uh, like, like football across the state, we have different levels. So we have a number of outreach programs for walking football which might just be people who used to play the game and um, you know want to get back into it in a different way or people who have never experienced the game and are not confident about coming straight into an 11 side um, you know traditional format so uh, all that information from a walking football perspective is available on our website certainly urge people if they are they, uh, they're keen to give it a go because it's um, it's one of those uh, one of those programs one of those uh, opportunities to growing tell us about the goldfields uh, state team Challenge Cup, man, that was a mouthful. I'm just going to go <laughs> Challenge Cup that's happening uh, over this weekend. And I think that it's the men's state team, isn't it? Is there a women's state team and a women's Challenge Cup happening? We would love to see that introduced. I think that that's, uh, that's certainly an opportunity for us in, uh, in 2022. This one is just the uh, the men. So this will be a WA state team, uh, men's versus first glory. Um, and that one is uh, at Percy Doyle today. Um, also being live-streamed, so uh, if uh, people can't make it to Percy Dog today, just jump onto our, onto our Facebook or onto our social media. Um, they'll be able to cap, cap uh, that's what I'm um, The state team will be relatively strong. It's, it's, 
it does have a uh, majority of those Perth players, which makes sense given that um, you know, Perth has, uh, SC had such a fantastic year. But there's also a couple of ECU players, Joondalup, uh, Coburn. Um, so their coach there, Chris Ola, has, uh, has done a job in a short time frame to pull them all together. And I'd imagine they'll give Perth Glory a, a great run for their money. Yeah, and I did see also that the inaugural um, para team, will the Goldfield Para Championship, I think it's called, and um, that will play, take place next weekend, the 9th and 10th, I think that's next weekend. Um, so that seems great, and we've got good Chris, Chris Barty, who I've trained with for a long time, and I think there's a number of Pararoos in those lineups which were announced on your Facebook page. So how's it gone organising all of that? Next weekend is going to be awesome. So I think that this is uh, probably one of those things where we've had a couple of different streams in the, the, the diversity and inclusion space, including the parents that we wanted to bring together. I know you guys have had our um, program lead community, Melissa Gaminer, on yep. um, previously, and I would suggest um, maybe having another chat to her next week before the, the Paris kicks off because this started as a, um, an alternative given that um, they, can't, they can't go away for their normal national Paris championship the WA Paris guys came together and said, we still want to uh, put something on. Um, so that uh, that game is open to the public, all invited down to the uh, Little Stadium next Saturday. But then on the Sunday, they have uh, another exhibition game and they're pulling in a couple of our uh, different stakeholders in that space. You know, the United Red, the Equal Footing Ball. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of different options that um, we you know, we would encourage people to uh, to check out. So... Next week will be will be a great uh, celebration of, uh, of that space across across WA football community. No rest for the wicked, Ryan. <laughs> I hope you're going to have Christmas week off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, we we are yeah, we, we are steadily getting to that point where you know our team our team has done a stellar job. It's, it's been a big year. We've had, as you guys know, we've had some, some pretty tough weather. Um, this is this has been a, an unusual winter with a lot of rain and it's short-term COVID shutdowns, but um, to be at this stage, to get a full season in and to, to have some really good results, good feedback, is uh, yeah, it's quite pleasing for us at Football West. Mm. Before we let you go, awards and presentations this year, what's the format? How's that going to go? COVID's been a bit strange over the last couple of years with the final season presentations. Tell us how it will pan out. Yeah, so uh, I think that one of the components that we as a team looked at, we looked at the feedback from, from gold medal and it perhaps wasn't the right format for all. Um, while you know, it was great to, to have a lot of that football community in one event, um, it maybe lost some of those key celebrations. So what we did instead is we've tried to really target group those, those um, different awards uh, across the competition. Um, we had our state league awards held in conjunction with top four last week. We have our Amateur Masters Metro um, Awards firstly done last night and then across the day on Sunday in that carnival atmosphere. And then we'll have our MPL Awards for men's and women's um, coming up in a couple of weeks' time on the 14th of October. So we've, we've got a, a couple of different options. It's a great opportunity for us to make sure that we are really showcasing those who deserve to be showcased in the right format. Um, and uh, it's it, it seems to be working out so far. So we, we we look forward to you know discussing with our standing committees and our representatives whether that's worked for them this year. Uh, if it has, we'll look to expand and improve on it in 2022. One thing that I really liked that Football West did pre-COVID was uh, the social 
event at I think it was the the Orchid in Perth at the Cultural Centre, and there was another one at the Lotus Tennis Club on the outside of the Perth Glory Stadium um, one year, and it was just a like a, a stream of awards being run for the social amateur. Uh, women's leagues and there was ice cream vans and <laughs> kids activities and people would come during the day and there, there was an itinerary and it, it was great because you could meet people you hadn't caught up with for a while because it was you know quite a, a long event but it was just a whole stream of socialness and I thought that was a, a great idea. Yeah totally agree and that's probably the sentiment that we really try to capture with uh, this weekend's cup day so it's not just about the action on field though that's important you know, you know as you know cup Cup finals are extremely important to those teams, but it's also a celebration off-field of, of those leagues and of, of the season. So that showed last night we had um, plenty of representatives from many of our Masters clubs who weren't who weren't playing in uh, in either of those Masters games, but they were there to, to celebrate their season and um, and catch up with friends. And that's exactly what football is all about. Mm. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, thanks so much, Ryan, for having a chat to us today. We really appreciate it. Ah, fantastic, guys! It's um, it's all as I said, always great to chat. Um, appreciate your support and uh, the sun shining on another beautiful day of football. Yeah, go yeah. enjoy. Thanks, Ryan. Shining for a while, at least. <laughs> yeah, for now. For a little while. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Ryan. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Bye. That was Ryan Lennigan from Football West. Always great to have a chat and figure out what's going on in the football mm. scene, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, one whole stream of football at the moment. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Can't complain. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of football um, and cup matches, mm. we also had the FFA Cup uh, yeah. this week. Yep. Um, quite disappointingly, as a West Australian, both of our local state league sides went out. Um, 3 0 uh, ECU Joondalup went down to Adelaide Olympic, and Florida Athena went down 3 1 against Adelaide United in extra time. I can say that I think I was just about the only Adelaide United fan <laughs> at the game. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I got some dirty looks I when I was cheering, kept, but kept that's all right. Up, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think um, it's it's disappointing as a West Australian because mm. I think now our record is something like in seven or so FFA Cups, the State League sides have only once had a win, which was uh, Sorrento over Canberra. Um, so I'd like to see us get a win and make a bit more progress. Mm. Uh, Florida Athena, I think, have to go down as one of the unluckiest clubs ever because they, they lost 2-1 to Melbourne... Uh, uh, Melbourne City, City, Melbourne yeah. City. So they played an A League side and, and really took it to them. Mm. Then they went over to Adelaide for a game uh, and went down four three against their local state league. So Adelaide Olympic actually, um, and now they again they played Adelaide United, so another A League side and took it to extra time. So I think they had the A League boys worried there. I for think a bit. they did. They yeah. certainly had me worried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so you know, uh, well well played to to mm. both teams, and hopefully next season we can see. Uh, Coburn and some other state league side get through past yeah. the first round. Yeah. I'm, I'm Not loving, biased there. I'm loving the fact they're live streaming so much football. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously a bit late now, but they're all available on the 10 plus app. So you can mm-hmm. watch it yep. uh, on your TV. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Highlights, packages, and game time yeah. and everything. It's just, yeah, Football West, just to have a whole stream of all the links mm. to yeah. everything. And they did do the round of 16 draw, and I know Adelaide United have been drawn against uh, Adelaide MPL Club, so there's a bit of a derby going on in Adelaide. Mm. Maybe yeah, I'll get right. down and watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you won't be short of football, Miranda, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Stay tuned. It's Miranda, Penny and Pete in the World Football Program. Oh,
Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. Station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. Welcome back to the World Football Program. Great to have you back. We've got Liz Ree. How are you going, Liz? I'm very good. How are you this morning on our lovely little spring day? Yeah, very well. Enjoying the sunshine while it happens, eh? Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, uh, Liz, Peter asked me the association with uh, your family and football. Give us a little bit of a quick wrap of the, the lineage there with the football. Uh, let's see. My father was 17 years old when, uh, back in 70-odd years ago when uh, um, they started the Azuri um, Soccer Club. Mm-hmm. So that's how far we go back. My uncle started the WA Italian Club in 1934 when my dad was two. And from the WA Italian Club, they started the Azuri Soccer Club, the Azuri Rifle Club, Azuri Rugby Club. Etc. And that's how it sort of sporting divisions come under the one umbrella of the Italian club in those days. And from there, he he loved soccer, although he apparently wasn't very good at it. <laughs> um, and uh, tried to play football, Aussie rules, tried to play rugby, various things. Um, but he was very good at management and organisational skills. So he went on to be secretary, etc. And then he went on to start the West Australian Soccer Federation and the Australian Soccer Federation. And then um, he started Soccer House in the 1960s uh, as a councillor of the city of Perth. He was able to get the velodrome and um, then the soccer headquarters of Western Australia was moved to there, WA Soccer Federation. And, uh, and then unfortunately he was poisoned and uh, sort of all went down for a while, yeah. several years. And then uh, in uh, um, 25 years ago with a group of people, he... Um, uh, they started the Football Hall of Fame uh, to get a museum up and running so that the history of the West Australian football would not be lost. And I'm now on that committee and president and trying to get 
our forefathers, my father, and a whole lot of other very proud gentlemen uh, in the 60s started and get it back on track so that uh, the history and the memorabilia of Western Australian football is not lost. So that was a very quick summary. Just out of curiosity, I think there was a lot of gentlemen males uh, mentioned in in that um, little rap. Um, What about females along the way? Well, Dad was instrumental in um, pushing to get the Women's League off the ground, and uh, uh, which I think Sandra Britton and a couple of others. Mind you, he wouldn't let me play, wouldn't let us play as kids, but um, he was quite happy to get the girls, push to get the girls off the ground and junior sport, and um, he supported it everywhere, whether it was on um, schools or women playing, um, street soccer. He supported it because... He believed that, uh, you know, sport is the leveller and uh, sport can make, whether you're a spectator, a player, a helper, even if you can't play, there's always a role for you as a volunteer. And I think that was where his sort of mantra lied. Mm. Mm, I like that. That's good. So what's happening out there in grassroots sportland, Liz? What, what are the things affecting us all? Well, at the moment, we've got finals all over the place and so even if you haven't got anyone you know in a final if you see a game going on in a local park near you come and participate because buying one sausage roll one can of coke can do a lot for an organization because it's all based on volunteers and with covid it's been very difficult financially for a lot of the groups so anything that they can have anybody participating would be really great um, then we've also got the ATMs going on. So if people, you know, you just, you haven't got kids at home or you always like the sport, come on down and volunteer because that's what it's about. It's about getting a group of people together that are like-minded and that's the way we keep sport happening in the community. It's a good use of local resources. And after all, people paying rates, you know, that money goes towards these community clubs. So if more people can get involved, the better it is for everybody. So, Liz, on that, we are uh, very safe here in Western Australia. Um, People want to be here. Um, Land values are going through the roof. Uh, Development of buildings going through the roof. How is grass space and sporting area space going in all of that? Well, it's been extremely difficult for our um, our groundskeepers across all sectors of local government because we've had unprecedented amount of rain. We've had more consecutive days of rain since 1946, and that and unfortunately we've got more concrete than we had in 1946. <laughs> so therefore, um, the instead of the rain coming down and just going through the green spaces of big backyards and big front yards and that it's not it's all concrete so it's going into drains that can't cope so we've still got a lot of flooding everywhere and that's also allowed a lot of flooding in ovals and as we know poor Wembley Downs Soccer Club they got inundated with with torrential rain from uh, the oval and all sorts of other issues which has happened quite a few times and even happened years ago when my kids were younger and there uh at the club so i think from a a point of view of the clubs the the local government is struggling at the moment with all the drainage issues and trying to keep the ovals in good condition because the 
to play on the playing surface because of the amount of rain. So I think people have to be mindful of that. We don't normally have that amount of rain. So uh, from that, it's an issue in local government. It's an issue for the clubs. And people should be reminded of that from a safety perspective when they're playing that um, they've got to use a bit more care on the, on the uh, ovals. So on that then, in summer when we've had some pretty hot, dry summers and we've had grass hammered by summer usage now with uh, all kinds of sports, um, there are more artificial surfaces popping up. So if you're saying there's more rain or there's been more rain this winter anyway and drainage is an issue because it's just generally more hard stand, more concrete, um, do we want more artificial surfaces? Is it just a matter of making sure the drainage around them is going to be good? Well, yes and no, because the problem with artificial surfaces is it's like concrete. It just rolls off. So you've got to have bigger drains to count because you're capturing it like a roof. Mm. So we don't have a rainwater tank to capture everything off it. So it's got to go somewhere because it's not absorbing it. So why you can sit there from a sustainability point of view and say, yes, it's really good to have these surfaces, um, artificial turf, make it easier for the groundkeeper, the, the surface is more uniform, so better for playing but on the flip side of that you've still got all the water coming off depending on the brand it can be very hot some of this artificial turf which actually causes burns uh, and particularly we see that in hockey Um, so that's an issue so anything we have has ramifications what you've got to do is try to weigh up the good with the bad and hopefully you get the balance so I believe like whether it's tennis whether it's football, whether it's whatever it is, you'd still need a mixture of both. And a, a lot of people have complained that the artificial turf is a lot harder on the knees. They're more likely to get shin splints. Mm. Um, but some of that is to do with how the compaction underneath. Mm. Mm, I did. That was one of the things I did notice between here and Sydney. Is Sydney do have a lot more artificial surfaces. Ma- the majority of weeks you'd be playing on an artificial surface. And I think it's just another factor that S&C coaches have to consider. And I think Mum FC did it, have done a good job over the past couple of years in their programs because you're training on it week in, week out. You get conditioned to it and that injury risk kind of becomes lesser. Um, but if you're a team that trains on a, a natural pitch and plays on a natural pitch and then you go play on Mum FC's ground, in the only artificial pitch in the league, then you come up really sore. So it's just kind of a balance between how do we condition our players to play on both yep. surfaces. Yeah. Well, that's true. But from an economics point of view, you've got to realise too the cost factor up front for artificial is a lot more than then the natural turf mm-hmm. and the maintenance of natural turf is more. So if you're looking, you've got it, when you're looking at these things, you've got to look at it a financial over 20 years and must consider the maintenance. Mm-hmm. What about Bayswater Oval, Liz? What's the news there? Is there any progress on redevelopment there? Not as not cemented in. Um, at the moment, uh, with local governments throughout Western Australia, it's caretaker period. So in caretaker period from the 2nd of September to the 17th of October, um, councils, local government councils are not supposed to make m- major financial decisions. They can still tick it over and pay the bills, but they're not supposed to make major financial decisions that may advantage or disadvantage a particular candidate, <laughs> uh, whether it's existing <laughs> councillor or not. 
So um, while there's lots of things in the pipeline, uh, a lot of things haven't come to fruition yet. So I think that that's the one in Bayswater is just sitting on that at the moment. Okay. Plus a lot of the things too are to do with funding. Um, I think we'll find when FIFA announces who the four venues are, um, hopefully state government will be very supportive in providing funds to local government to upgrade or whatever that may be necessary just to make sure that those four um, fields, organisations, centres, uh, are up to the scratch of FIFA so that we are... Um, we're going to be on the world stage and let's hope local and state and federal governments can work together to showcase what great clubs we have in Western Australia and, and people who may not get the Guernsey are supportive of the four ones that are chosen. Yep, mm. yep. I think it will be very good um, when they do announce the um, four grounds because everyone can kind of get around them. But um, do we have any idea when... They're announced the grounds. Um, they they have uh, they made a long list. Mm-hmm. They've made a short list. They've been over inspected. I don't know if they went into quarantine, but they've been over inspected. Um, they're back now. they every ground. I believe had some issue that need to be done, which might be something minor. You know that can be easily achievable mm-hmm. as part of the maintenance program of local government or by the close club itself. Um, there, of course, there's always politics involved with these things, mm-hmm. but they also make their short list, but they've got to go back to the club themselves mm-hmm. and say to them, are you happy with this? I mean, you know, and this is, with no, this is just my personal opinion, just an arbitrary comment. Um, we have, uh, in Western Australia, one of the highest populations of Sudan, um, Burmese um, and and I think Tuscanis. Um, there's a different groups. So it doesn't mean uh, Sydney has the with uh, um, Sydney's got the most multicultural groups than any other state in Australia. But if you're looking at it from a FIFA point of view and you want to put four teams from around the world, I, if I was on the board, I would find a state that had, you know, if we've got the most Sudanese, then why don't we have the Sudanese team here? If you've got the most Chinese, then have the Chinese team here. Yep. So, because um, you've already got a, you've already got a, a base that a fan base. It's less if there's a COVID issue, you'll still get a crowd. So, mm-hmm. and and they're established clubs. So. You know, it could be Croatians, although I think we've got the most Croatians here. But so it's those sort of things that they may look at um, to decide. So you've got a, a bit of a political uh, element. You've got a logistic element. You've got to be mindful of COVID element. But you've also got to look at your fan base. And you don't want to have teams that, you know, that are one right at the top of the water and one at the bottom of the water. You know, you... You've got to try to make it even. So they've got to put all that into consideration. And we don't know yet. I mean, let's hope they're supposed to announce before Christmas. But with COVID, you know, they may not announce that the teams that are coming from somewhere else may not. And, I mean, some teams, if they're coming from, say, if they're coming from the UAE, you know, um, Oman or Dubai, um, to get here is not easy. Mm. 
Mm. You know, some places to get here, if you want fans to come, you want your players to come, your trainees to come, you don't want them to spend, you know, 20 hours in a plane and 20 hours in three different airports to get here. That that would just put people off. So, we're, and we sit differently in the world. Um, Perth, we're the, you know, most isolated city in the world, so... We, we do have a connection with Asia, um, even though Qantas haven't put back the <laughs> London to um, Perth uh, flight because we're sort of in a cage situation here. Yeah. Um, they, there's nothing to say that they can't put that on if they choose London, if we end up with England. So I think if you look at the demographics, which they're looking at, you look at the politics, you look at the ability to get to each of the major states, I think that we will find out what we've got. Yeah, definitely. I think the World Cup's sneaking up on us, isn't it? Yeah, like, that's true. It's like, oh my gosh, it's nearly 2022 and then it's <laughs> going to be next year. And oh, I think. Well, it is. And we've got the games in Brazil later um, mm-hmm. this month against Brazil in um, Sydney. And I think that will start people thinking, hey, it's closer than we think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, what we, what we all want to hear is uh, dates, times, mm. places confirmed so people can start making plans. Yeah. But, uh, it's a long way out yet, but as long as we keep the hype going. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, well, po- I think we have to be mindful of the fact, while it was the World Cup in 2023, they will come in 2022 to start training and have some of the um, friendly games and find out the weather and things like that. So, you know, we actually have only got about six months before people start coming. Mm. Mm. So kind of like acclimatisation matches, is that the sort of thing yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, because a lot of people for the, you know, which is very sad with the, and the Olympic Games, but I'm glad Japan went ahead in the end, even though they had a, you know, financial, major financial loss with them yeah. um, I, and the small businesses and people prepared. But a lot of people went to different parts of Japan and, and similar climates in Germany and that. One, to acclimatise to the weather. And secondly, because if Australia got locked down, they wouldn't be able to get out. Mm. 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 So qualification for the, the Women's World Cup is basically only just starting now, which, again, yeah. even that feels like it's really close yeah. to it before we're kicking off. Um, I know yep. with the Men's World Cup, we're sort of, normally we'd be a lot further through qualification and, and in the men's groups uh, for for Qatar. Like right now, they're sort of, we've got a game a month, like soccer is playing uh, this week for the, in the next round of qualifying. Normally it's a couple of games in a week and then, you know, wait for a month mm-hmm. or two and then another, uh, a few months and then the next set of games, whereas now it's every month there's a game because they're trying to get through um, through the backlog. I think... Kind of, we 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 were a bit lucky with uh, football and the COVID timing in that it you know it messed up the Olympics. But so far with football, it looks like the World Cups are going to be going ahead as scheduled. It's just a backlog in the qualifying, which hopefully we can get through. Oh, and, and let's just be practical about it too. Is that when the World Cup is due to happen? Hopefully, the COVID situation would have progressed to yeah. the vaccination, safer yeah. places, and all that kind yeah. of thing, and we'll be back to. A degree of normality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we will get there. A new normal. Yeah, that's what we're looking for. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got to be realistic. Um, the COVID is nothing like it's exactly the same as SARS. It's exactly the same as outbreaks that happen throughout the world. The only throughout time, the only difference is because of social media, it's played out to be a more of a fear mentality than people realise because 
there's lots of people dying all the time. There's mm. lots of outbreaks of things that normally you wouldn't hear about it um, because the government would keep it quiet. So I think the world needed just a, a hygiene upgrade mm. and uh, a reality check. But unfortunately, there's a lot of um, misinformation out there. But it is what it is, and we have to go forward. And I, I do believe that, um, exactly what we said, that, you know, we've been lucky. The Olympic Games weren't, but I, I was very fortunate to go to Russia for the World Cup. And uh, let's, let's hope I can go to a month. If you turned up to Oman, you'd be sort of sorely disappointed. <laughs> you'd be on your own. Well, at least, at least if I went to Oman, there's supposed to be some games in Oman, though. Um, it would be interesting to see, because they originally said they were going to spread the games throughout the UAE, but I think with COVID, that stopped me. Oh, look, Sepp Blatter said that, but Sepp Blatter said a lot of things. <laughs> I yeah. suspect if you turned up in Oman hoping to watch a World Cup match live, you'd be walking around going, oh, man, sorry, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't resist that one. <laughs> well, I know when we went to Russia, we were lucky we to, you know, St. Petersburg, we went yeah. to all over places. We got in a plane, we got in the train, we, we got on a bus, so we went, you know, hours and hours to get to different games in different places so that they could spread it out and spread the money and spread the tourism, and I think that went well. But, yeah. yes, I think that was just pre-COVID, so we were lucky, but what happened in Qatar, I don't know yet. Yeah, yep. it's experience. I'm excited. Hopefully, right, we, yeah. hopefully get, we get the full World Cup experience oh. when it comes here. And and with the yeah. hype that was for the the World Cup in mm. France, the Women's World Cup in France, hopefully that carries on. And yeah. it's it's almost like so next year's World Cup with the men. It's still a pretty COVID-ish world, if you know what I mean. I know we yeah. get we're, we're rolling out our vaccines and everything, but it's still you know lockdown stuff. Um, I'm kind of hopeful that this Women's World Cup in 2023 will will pretty much be the first big event uh, post-COVID where, where you really do start to get international travel back up and a lot yeah. of people come to Australia yeah. and hopefully... And I think they have to be, and this is what I said previously, they have to be mindful of that when they pick the teams that are going to be based in different places in mm. Australia. Yeah. And whether or not, I mean, logically, which is not necessarily the role of government or me meetings, um, but to make sure that the men and women are paired to the same venue would be, you know, like if you had Sudan here or if you had Italy here, you would have the men and then the following year you'd have the women. Mm. But they might go the other way and say, well, if you have the four men here, then you have to have four different ones for women. So you just don't know what they're thinking. I, I don't know. Yeah. No. Um, um, no. I'm, I'm just kind of fingers crossed that when the Men's World Cup comes around... Um, that it'll it'll go smoothly because it's sooner than the Women's World Cup. Um, yep. So yep. it's, you know, I, I feel quite safe that the Women's World Cup is going to be in a good space, yep. but I, I'm not yep. quite yep. feeling that way for the Men's yeah. World Cup. Oh, well, yeah. the Men's World Cup in Qatar in particular has had, has I so know. many dark clouds yeah. over even yes. before COVID happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I haven't been to Qatar, but I've been to Dubai. So yeah. you've got a whole lot of different restrictions irrespective of COVID. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yeah, yes. well, and you. it is not easy to get to. Yeah. Yeah, true. There's a lot of issues around it, but hopefully everyone gets the best result in both World Cups. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Liz. Always great chatting to you. 
No problem. You stay safe and, and let's see that everybody can have a round ball in their house and be ready. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good on Sounds you. great. Thanks so much, Okay. Bye. Bye. Have a great weekend. See ya. Keep up the good work. Bye. That was Liz Free. Always a great try. Hey. <laughs> yes. Yeah, always ready to talk about anything. Yeah. A lot of football in her heritage, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm. Thanks so much for listening. We've got myself, Pete and Penny on the World Football Program. We'll be back talking to Danny Townsend from the APL. Give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Tryon. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials, and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialize in color bond, aluminium, steel, and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A U S W E S T fencing.com.au. Don't fence me in. I want to succeed so badly because we have such a great team and the fans, I think that we owe everyone around us something. Everyone is bought in. I think the togetherness within the squad is huge and it just makes you want to put everything on the field when you know someone's put in a big tackle and you're like, I want to put in a, a tackle like that and I want to play for her and I want to win for this club and this, these fans. This team is special. This team is ruthless. This team is family. This team gives everything for one another. And this team, no matter what, will show you heart and passion every day we get on the field. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Welcome back to the World Football Program. We've got Danny Townsend on the line from the APL. Danny, how are you going? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. Great to have a chat today. There's a lot of things going on in the APL space, so I imagine you're a very busy man. Yeah, no, lots lots to be excited about, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a fun time to be in football. Mm. Yeah, we've got the, I think the massive thing on everyone's mind is the rebranding of the A-Leagues, plural. So, um, yeah, tell us about the decision around that. Yeah, look, when APL um, took control of the professional game in, in January of this year, we, we sort of wanted to, to make effective change across all of football. And um, one of the first things we wanted to do was sort of reevaluate the brand architecture of the, the sport. And I think when we investigated the, the genesis of, of the A-League as a, as a brand, it was it was all about, you know, representing Australia and A-quality, the, the, you know, the A-path, the highest quality of, of elite football in Australia, which made sense. And, and then when the Women's League was launched a couple of years later, um, the, the genesis of that brand was simply that W stood for women. And, yeah. you know, we felt that if, if the A stood for Australia and stood for all those great things about elite football, then it, it shouldn't be... Uh, just left for the men. It, it needed to represent both the men and the women and the youth. So um, we, it was a pretty easy decision in the end to, to aggregate all of those brands under under the A-Leagues and, and um, yeah, put them all on the, the same pedestal. Mm-hmm. Where's the connect with the, uh, I was going to say the FFA, the Football Australia, that's that 
part of rebranding mm-hmm. FFA to FA is in, still in my head as um, being delineated too. So the, where's the connect with Football Australia and the APL and the differences between how things are going to be managed going forward? Yeah, um, d- during the unbundling, the, the FA uh, will continue to have a regulatory role over the game, as they should as the, the, the governing body of the sport. Uh, the APL um, is a, a private enterprise that has essentially been given the responsibility to commercialise, own and operate um, the, the four leagues, which is which was when it was handed over the, the A League, the W League, the Y League, and the E League, and and as we've just talked on, talked about, we're uh, we've rebranded those under under the one A League banner. Yeah, and I think it, as well as it's just a, a name rebranding. Can you talk us about um, the kind of underlying um, things you're going to change? Is there going to be many changes um, other than the name? Well, absolutely. You know, the, the changing of the name is the easy part. Mm-hmm. I said yesterday to someone else, you know, we really need to be measured on the actions that we put behind the, the brand change. Mm-hmm. It's easy to to sort of say that you'll elevate um, the women's game to, to parity with the men, but that you've got to follow that up with meaningful change in the sport. And you know, we've already done that with um, an announcement around an expansion of the the, the A League women uh, to include the Wellington Phoenix in this upcoming season, and then we are adding two additional teams next year with the Western United and the Central Coast Mariners joining the competition. So there's going to be more games, more opportunities for young aspiring female footballers to play at the highest level. And um, we've also announced the the A League's Club Championship, which for the first time of any league in the world, um, the, the men's competition and, and the women's competition points will be added together mm. to to crown the best professional football club in the country. And that's a really important step for us in in demonstrating that the three points earned in a women's match is, is as valuable as the three points earned in a men's match. Mm. Mm. I really like that. I think yeah. that's, that yeah. promotes kind of the unity between the two clubs because, you know, sometimes there's your separation within the club itself between this is the men's team, this is the women's team. We don't really talk to each other or have any involvement. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's a really great idea around that. When- yeah, that was that was absolutely the thinking in that, you know, I... I I remember back a couple of years ago at a grand final, it was Sydney FC versus Perth Glory, and um, it was a beautiful Saturday afternoon at, at Jubilee Stadium. I think there was five one thousand people there. Sam Kerr was playing for Perth, and I think Sydney had about seven starting Matildas. Mm. So it was a you know the who's who of women's football, and and the Cove, which was Sydney's um, active supporter group, didn't turn up. The next day, the A League team played a fixture against Melbourne City, just a run-of-the-mill A-League game that I can't over and they were there in their thousands. But mm. It sort of dawned on me that, you know, why is it that these fans of, of Sydney FC will only go and support the men's team? You know, if they're genuinely fans of the football club, they mm. should be attending both. And I think that's what this this um, this um, uh, club championship is all about. Yeah, I think, like, the shift in kind of fan ideology of I'm I'm a fan of this team, no, like, I'm a fan of the club yeah. on a whole. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good one, Miranda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think the, with the branding, it's uh, I'm looking at the, the Facebook pages and the websites and the A-League men, the A-League women, and seeing the mouthful of that is at this moment and the shift with, like Miranda saying, the mm. ideology and where it's going to land in the end. Where it's going to land in the end is the perfect place, of course. Mm. It's just a club and it has an E-League team, a W-League team. Sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly <laughs> at this moment, but I'll, I'll get there. It's just got a women's team, a men's team and, and an E-team. Mm. And in the end, um, if you support that club, then you support all of those things and that's what we want to be. Yeah. Absolutely. And look, it's going to take time. You know, I keep tripping myself up and, and I've been at the centre of all this and to find myself still referring it to the W-League mm. or the Y-League. But yeah. look, in time, 
it will all be part of the vernacular and and uh, we'll all be very much used to it. And it's, you know, for mine, I had a, a few uh, people sort of question, well, what does it do for the history of the W League? And, and, and you know, a lot of people were attached to the W League name. And I said, look, you know, for me, you know, I want to see the five- and six-year-old female footballers that are playing today in 10 years' time not know what, what the W League is and, and just know that women's football is on the same level as the men. And mm. if the W League was still there, I, I wouldn't want someone in 10 years' time to say, why is the A only relevant for the men and not for the women? Mm. I think making that change now is, is all about that. Yeah, I, I did see mentioned just out of interest on, on the internet, someone threw up the fact that that now means that we've got Canberra United in the A-League for the first time ever as well. <laughs> so that's, that's another little plus there. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice little uh, run on that. Unfortunately, that's not the case yet. But look, <laughs> we, we've committed to expanding uh, the A-League men competition as well over the next couple of years. And if there's a lot to be said for a team in the capital city of your country, so... No doubt Canberra will be on the list to, uh, to consider, particularly given they've already got the A-League women's team. So, yeah, a bit of work to be done before that happens. But. So uh, just uh, behind the APL, the governing body, so to speak, or the decision-makers, who are they? Um, a company that's owned by the 12 A-League clubs or APL clubs. So there's um, the, the 12 existing foundation clubs of the APL uh, are the owners of it. The, the FA have a... 20% sort of carry share, which mm. is not a financial share. It's not an equity shareholding. It's more a what's known as a good of the game share, which which uh, means that we're aligned to each other's objectives. You know that we don't want to, you know, in the future, in 10, 20 years' time, and, and those that are in, in the game and did this this unbundling process uh, aren't around. Um, that it's not lost on the fact that you know our job still is to put Australian football at the centre of all our decisions and, you know, they want to make sure we don't go off and suddenly allow 12 foreigners per squad that doesn't give Australian footballers, you know, playing time and, and ability to to uh, develop. So there's definitely some regulatory control still, but in terms of a company, it's it's, uh, it's definitely a company that's owned by the 12 clubs and uh, we're looking at bringing in third-party investment to continue to, to put you know, the right type of financial structure around mm-hmm. the game for it to, to grow. I think it's really important to remind our, our listeners and the stakeholders in football that that's who it's controlled by and it's you know, by the game, for the game. Good job. So does that yeah, mean... absolutely. That was really important. Does yeah, that mean that. that if you get uh, a promotion relegation happening um, <laughs> that a team coming up gets a spot on the board? Well, that's a very good question. Well, we have to get promotion and relegation going first and then we probably make those decisions after. But look, I think, you know, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a misnomer that, that the A-League clubs don't, don't think the promotion relegation is is you know or supportive of that. I think we're all football people, and we know that some of the most compelling games of football have been promotion and relegation battles yeah. um, around the world. The, the challenge really is about building a sustainable financial framework about the game. You know, we've got a long way to go before for APL clubs are financially stable, let alone trying to connect the next level of football in the country to be able to be financially sustainable and and deliver a quality of product that that an elite football competition requires. So, look, we're absolutely not against it. I just think we need to take our time. And, and football has probably gone through a number of reinventions over the years. And, and, and I think this is our, our chance to get it right. We get it, we're structured the right way to get it right. So uh, we're confident we will. And, and as we do that, we'll, we'll look to how we can continue to build the football pyramid in the right way. 
Okay. I have a question before you go. In regard to some of the voices that we've heard in football over the past um, about 10 years, um, for me, Steph Brands has been synonymous with the W League mm-hmm. and Simon Hill's been synonymous with the A League. Um, going forward and the media rights um, involved with uh, the football and the association to APO, I just need your help in, to connect the dots. Like, Who are the voices that we're going to get used to going forward? Is there going to be a, a voice that will be synonymous with the football? Oh, look, I don't think there'll be a voice. We, we've One of the things that we're looking at, and, and in, that's in, in parallel with our, our partners, Network 10 and Viacom CBS, Paramount Plus, is ensuring that we, we freshen up uh, the voices you'll hear. We, we really want to focus on ensuring that we're able to, to hit all the different demographics that follow our game. And, and you know, our biggest strength as a coach is our, you know, our younger demographic. We are the number one sport in the country for fans under 35 years of age. So mm. we, we've got to really freshen things up. But that also means that, you know, the voices that you've heard, like like Steph and, and, and Simon for a long time, will play their part. Um, they're definitely part of the mix and, and will we'll be will be heard during the course of, of both competition seasons. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of familiar faces, you're going to see a lot of new ones, but I think what we are committed to is ensuring the quality of broadcast across both the men's and the women's competitions is better than it's ever been before and, and it's looking really encouraging going into this, this new season. Loving yeah. to hear the energy in your yeah. voice, Danny. Yeah, look, it's, I want to say, you know, it's it's an exciting time to be in football. I think we've we've been sort of treading water for a long time, just given the, the structure of the way we, we exist. And, you know, we know we've got so many strengths. We are the biggest sport in the country for participation. You know, if you sum AFL, Rugby League and, and Rugby Union together, they don't sum to our sport. But we've just mm. always struggled to capitalise. And, and I think now we're... we're fit for purpose the way we're structured we're focused on delivering for our fan and that at the end of the day what what drives the football economy is fans and and getting them closer to the game is what we're all about so yeah we're really bullish it's 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 not often in your career you get a chance to relaunch a sport and that's what we're doing with APL so yeah exciting times for football fans I think love your work Danny thank you so much for giving us some time to talk to you today really appreciate it awesome guys appreciate you covering it thank you thanks Danny see ya as Danny Townsend from the APL. There's a lot of good info there. Really yep. exciting time, I think. He said all the right things. All the right things. He, he I do, did. I do like the, the whole unity branding behind clubs. I think that's a really good um, kind of way to go forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious to see, you know, fans fans will cheer when your team wins the league or when mm. they win a grand final. This this trophy for the best overall club, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how they, like when they award that, if it's... Mm. If Glory is winning that one, but finishing second on the league in the men, sorry, yeah. the men are finishing second in the league, the women finishing second in the league, but they've wrapped up the two leagues together title. Do they award that after a game? I I've kind of feel like most fans will be like, "Well, what are we winning this for if yeah. we're second on the table?" sort of type thing. But we'll see what they can do with it. Yeah, it might be an interesting presentation. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so hang on, are we saying that a league? Hang on, men's league, women's league, yep. the e league. Yeah, well, I don't think E League's included in this whole okay. club so thing. The youth league, so the three yeah. national yeah. leagues that not. No, the, the youth league. league's a bit pointless anyway. I think so, so scrap that. To be so honest. they have some kind of rating, something or other. And uh, from what Danny said, it was pretty much just the men's league and the women's league. Yeah. Add your points together, and that's you know create another table out of that. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm very glad that I never actually got round to registering WLeagueStats.com along with AleagueStats.com because <laughs> that would be redundant now. So. <laughs> I do need to update A League stats to, to handle the new naming now because yeah. I've still got a bit that says W League. But yeah, 
Yeah, yeah very interesting. Yeah. All right, we will go to a break and we'll be back chatting to Aaron Trevathan from the Football Tragics podcast. Thanks for listening. A junior trainee at Oswest Fencing and Wrought Iron. I am the fourth generation of our family business. Oswest Fencing is built on 50 years of experience, creating unique fencing and gates and servicing the West Australian community. Let us help you secure and refurbish your home or business with customised materials and automation made to laugh. Ring us on 9258 6822 to discuss your ideas or visit our online galleries at oswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Station sponsor. Not too long to go now. We aren't just the people who mow your lawn. We aren't just the people who paint your houses. We aren't just office workers. Or taxi drivers. Or even the family next door. Underneath it all, we are fans. No matter when, no matter where, we'll be there. to let your inner fan in. No guts, no glory. Radio Fremantle, 107.9 FM. Welcome back to the World Football Program. I've got Pete dancing alongside to the <laughs> tunes next to me. Couldn't help it. Nah, you can't help it when that tune comes on. Yep. We've got Aaron Trevathan from the Football Tragics podcast. Aaron, how are you going? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well, thanks. We've got some exciting Perth Glory news. They were talking about it earlier that Daniel Sturridge <laughs> is signed. How are you feeling yeah. about that one? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a massive signing. It's probably one of the best um, in the history of the A-League, if I'm being completely honest. I think it's up there with the, with the Del Piero's. Maybe he doesn't have the same you know, name to it, maybe not a, a more known face, but um, in terms of what he's what he's achieved in the game. You look back at some of his, you know, his seasons at Liverpool and whatnot mm. when he was at his best. Um, and if he can bring even half of that and stay fit for the majority of the season, I think he'll be a, an amazing signing, not, not not only for Perth, but for the whole A League in general. Do we know how his fitness has been going when he's been playing in the last two years? Anyone know that? Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm, well, sorry. Was, well, I'm sure it's going to come was, out on Facebook over the next few days with uh, people once they all... Yeah, figure out that uh, he hasn't been actually playing in well, the Well, yeah, I'll say, so in his, his last season, he was at uh, Trabzonpor in Turkey, uh, 11 appearances. So that's that's not a lot, um, although four no, goals in those not. 11 appearances. So. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think when, when he plays, he, he obviously has a lot to offer, um, yeah. but it's just a matter of, yeah, he, he is known to be injury-prone throughout his time everywhere, really. So that's obviously the big issue if, if, if you... Get him for the year. How how many games are you actually getting him for? Do you even get him for two thirds of the season, or yeah. you know? So um, 
yeah, when he's on his day, he's, he's a brilliant player, and I think he offers a lot. But yeah, exactly how often do you get him? Yeah, um, just on the squad thing, and now that we've got the APL, and when we talk squad thing, we can talk men, women, youth, because we don't talk squad with E-League, can we? Though? No. Okay, just, so it's just the three just, top ones, okay? Mm-hmm, yeah. We're going to amalgamate them. So I was just looking through the W League, uh, the Women's League uh, <laughs> move, movements in and out, right? And in the Perth Glory squad, we have 21... I think we have 21 new signing. No, 14 new players. 21's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've got 21 in the squad. 14 new players have been signed into the Perth Glory squad. And I looked at all the other squads and nowhere near that. So what, what, what does that say? It says that we haven't got a whole lot of local players that have either been re-signed or the club is building on. And if I look at the other teams in the uh, National League, the, what... What the heck am I calling it? The A-League women? <laughs> A-League women is A-League the correct women. term. Okay, yeah. right. I'll get it right eventually. <laughs> um, is that a lot of the other clubs have re-signed their players or mm. signed from within, not from other clubs and outside. And I don't know, Miranda, what you think of that because with Adelaide, I think you're one of three new players signed so mm. far, which is nothing like the 14 Perth Glory have signed as an example. So it just means a, a big transition, I feel. Yeah, definitely. I think Adelaide have been really good with that over the past few seasons, though, keeping a very consistent squad throughout the, the Women's League. So, um, yeah, I think there's been a massive turnover of players at Glory. and But, I mean, also it's the first season where Alex has really had a chance to form his squad. So I think it's, it is the proper start of his project, which he's going through. So he's, And I think the exciting thing for me is that... He's got now that he's had the opportunity to sign international players. There's still the element of youth in the squad, and I think a lot of people, at least around my group, where it's you know young players trying to break into the league, were excited when last year, because of the lack of international signings, people were giving a chance. But they're kind of in the back of your mind is, oh, we're going to be staying like in the few mm. seasons coming when they do get the opportunity to sign these international players. So I do like that. He's gone and signed a lot of young players, but also some international experience to go along with it. Mm, I think that would make it very hard for a coach from year to year to have a large amount of players come into the squad mm. and then maybe not stay the following year. Because if you dedicate your, your coaching input and resources and ideology philosophy into that team, wouldn't you want to build on it again for the next year? Yeah, I do think so. But also... Um, last year he didn't really get a chance to build the squad he wanted. So now he's building the squad he wanted. I doubt that there will be another massive turnover you see like this year. So um, with the changing coach, I think it's probably one massive turnover and he's looking for players, the young players, which he can build upon and create a nice foundation group like Adelaide have where they've not really had to make too many additions to the squad because they've got such a strong base. Yeah. What, what do you see across the, the men's A-League, Aaron, in terms of player turnover in different clubs? Um, well, I think you look at teams like Melbourne Victory, for example, who had a, a very poor year last year, and they've mm. gone crazy this season and made a number of signings um, from from Glory, yeah. from overseas. They've signed, you know, they've, they've signed almost another starting eleven at this point. Um, so they're obviously trying to strengthen and fix what happened last year. Um, but then you look at a team maybe like Wellington Phoenix, who have lost a couple of players. You know, Stephen Taylor's retired and whatnot. Mm. Um, Davila went to Macarthur. Uh, and Ahmed went to Wanderers, but they haven't made too many signings themselves just yet. Whether or not they, you know, as the season 
begins to start, they do make a few more. But yeah, they've only made maybe five or so. Um, but there's been a few teams who have made a number of signings. So I think as a whole, the teams are just signing the best available at the at the time. It's like obviously Victory, they snapped up Economides, um, the Agostino and whatnot from from Glory. So I think it's just taking the opportunity to sign the best players that are available in the market now. Honestly, as a Glory supporter, Melbourne Victory this season is our second team because they're basically the Glory reserves, <laughs> yeah. as far as we can tell. Although looking at some of those names, then they shouldn't be reserves. But yeah, no, it's yeah. yeah. You, you did say in that conversation, Aaron, that players been signed from overseas, but you, in the women's league, mm. we're not seeing so many players being signed from overseas, are we, Miranda? Oh, I know. Yeah, I think Glory have recently announced a couple um, US and. Oh, I think Adelaide just announced a Japanese player as well. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a few starting to come in, but a, a lot of it is negotiating the overlapping seasons because, of course, the W League is a shorter season. It's mm-hmm. not um, A League Women's is not is a shorter season, and um, the A League Men's is almost it's a full season. It's a full home and away. So it's negotiating with their other clubs, and sometimes I know the PFA have negotiated into the new collective bargaining agreement, the um, element of loans now. So that's happening in the women's game. Um, so I think it's some new water to tread for coaches and clubs. Mm. Yep, and I... I wouldn't, be su- I wouldn't be surprised if COVID's playing a part as well yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that yeah. Yeah. you're not getting as many internationals. Yep, yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, so you'd like to think that uh, players coming through the internal club structures would be playing a major part... Still, for the next couple of years, mm. Mm, which is good. Um, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Miranda, <laughs> <laughs> um, from your point of view, with the um, women's leagues, um, you're off in... On Friday. Friday. Yeah. Okay. So things are looking like they just should be happening as per the date to set. You're going yep. there to start your competition and get to know your teammates. and. Yeah, I think... At the moment, yeah, no, we're just acting like everything's going to go ahead as normal. I think they've announced the first four fixtures for yep. the W League, A League women, and um, first six is it for the A League men? First, yes, first six. First six because yeah. we get one home game and five away. Yeah, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, especially um, with the border restrictions for Glory, both the men's and women's team, how they go around that. I know we had a meeting with the um, APL and Football Australia about uh, vaccination and status for yep. players, um, which is going to be vital, really, that every player gets vaccinated because there will be restrictions on vaccinations yep. ac- across border travel. Um, but then also kind of concerning to see Mark McGowan say he's not really playing to open the borders really until April. So mm-hmm. um, that then questions hub again for Glory. Like, yeah. how do you see that, Aaron? Uh, well, I think if you look at the like the A League um, schedule, uh, yeah, with Perth, you know, starting the season off in Perth and then the going away um, for yeah five weeks, I think that is a case of the border, whatever's going on in Perth, and um, yeah, having to manage the fact that the borders aren't staying open or however they're doing it. So I think they're just trying to get as many away games out of the way as possible while it, and you know keep them on um, this side of the country, you know, you know um, Sydney side. Um, for a bit until the Perth, um, you know, sort their borders out and they come back and start playing their away games. And it obviously helps not having the other teams have to travel to Perth in and out um, and whatnot. But as I said, I don't know too much about the, the, 
the border closing, opening uh, on the Perth side. Mm-hmm. But I just know that that was one of the factors they took into account um, for Perth, for yeah. example. Yeah. yeah, it is a difficult situation for all the clubs to manage to try and get the season going ahead as normal as possible. I think the priorities for the APL were, number one, their health and safety of all the players and clubs and everything, which has got to be a priority. Then actually getting the season to go ahead and then after that, the crowds, that's got to be another major factor. So if you do have hubs in Sydney, will there be crowds allowed and all that jazz? Well, with the West Australian border, if if they can make exceptions to let AFL teams over to play, I can't see why they can't do the same for the the A-League's men and women. Yeah. So you said, Miranda, that there was discussions about vaccinations, having vaccinations mm-hmm. to allow them to be part of the, le- the league and to, to do the travel. Mm. Well, if that happens, there shouldn't be any restrictions, right? I mean, the, the idea is that um, you get vaccinated, um, well, you can still spread the disease, but you just won't get it. Now. Okay, so then yeah. I'll just stuff up my own conversation. <laughs> 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 yep, okay, so we're pretty safe here in West Australia. So, I, you know, I still get it why Mark McGowan's still putting up the Great Wall mm-hmm. of China, so to speak, with that one. But, um, yeah, what can we say? We've got to live with it for a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just got to do it. So, Aaron, um, the, the three things that we, we talked about with um, Danny Townsend, whom we had on just before yourself, um, talking about the APL. We talked about the, the branding of the APL. What's your thoughts on how that's coming across? Um, well, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, it's a, I think it's a good step in the right direction, definitely, uh, of course. I don't particularly think we needed to, you know, change the logo and whatnot. Mm. I know a lot of people across socials aren't happy with it. They think it's quite basic, and you've probably heard about all the news, you know, them copying... Um, a bunch of different companies, yep. uh, you know, designs and whatnot. But I think as a, as a whole, it's definitely a step in the right direction for leagues, um, you know, A-League women, A-League men and the youth league. But, yeah, I don't, whether or not we need to change a complete logo after only having a rebrand a few years ago mm. is is a question to be asked, yeah. Um, and the second tier of football, which was dodged. Yeah. 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 What's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's it remains that. The reason we are in the Asian Football Confederation is part or well, part of the structure agreement. or agreement. Yeah, yeah was yeah. that we'd have a second tier of football. Yeah. We have promotion not, relegation. We we have not got a second tier of football. Thoughts on that, Aaron? It, it definitely needs to happen um, asap. But the, I suppose the issue is the fact that maybe these second division teams don't have the money available um, to be able to run a full season travelling interstate constantly. That's obviously where APL would have to come in and. Uh, help out with finances uh, but yeah it needs to happen immediately um, and the longer it goes on I suppose you can't take it as, you can't take the league serious enough because there's only one one tier of professional football yeah yeah, and no, and no punishment for coming last. Yeah, I think exactly adds, right. Yeah, yeah it adds another element when you've got people at the bottom of the table, not just you know playing for the sake of it. They're yeah. actually fighting for something, and yeah. um, it's almost like you get another whole set of finals when you got relegation. That's, right. battles that, that's at the, the exciting bottom. end yeah. of the table is the bottom end. Yeah, yeah. I wonder when we applied for uh, entry into the Australia, the Asian Football Confederation, did we have to put a plan in? Did the FFA at the time, or Soccer Australia, or whatever they were at the time, did they have to put a plan in that said, okay, from the AFC, you have 10 years or five years or three years to put this, this and this in place? Mm. I think they sort of fudged it and called the various state leagues. Mm. They, they rebranded that as the National Premier Leagues and said, that's our second division, and just sort of 
glossed over things a bit there and, mm. you know, obviously got away with it. But And they connected all with an FFA Cup. Yeah. 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 Well, which is a step in the right direction. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I sort of jokingly said this to you off air, Pen, but if you had the choice, uh, second division for the men with promotion relegation or a women's FFA Cup, which would you prefer if they could do one next season? If you make up. Yeah, I know. I was like, like, why why am I even asking that? (laughs) Right, far out. Yeah, so I'm I'm biased, Aaron, because I've got my cap here for Murdoch University of Melville, which is Mum FC. We won the league this year in the women's NPO, and we won it last year as well. And we won a few other trophies along the way, so... (laughs) And now you want to you want to mix it with the the W oh sorry not the W the A League women's teams and yeah see so how you go that would be that would be a good match it would be yeah be a nice move and with all this live streaming that's happening around Western Australia no doubt around the rest of Australia mm. as well we're getting um, the lower no the more complete coverage of football mm. um, like NPL. Cups, finals, state leagues, all, all that is getting covered now. So when we have our awful weather, like we, this week in Perth, the weather has been absolutely Boyful. crap. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so we've got all these promotion relegation games, the amateur cups, women's metro cups. They're all being live streamed. It's mm. great. So we can stay at home and watch them. Not that we all should do that because when the weather's great, we should go and support them and buy the hot dogs at the canteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's an ice cream van at yeah. the FFA Cup game the other week. Yeah, how's things been over your end um, with with football, Aaron, locally? Uh, well, it's obviously in the off season right now, and I believe that you know the plans are in place to start the new season as is. So that's encouraging. Um, I think I don't see that there being an issue. I think with the restrictions starting to lift now, especially in New South Wales, um, we should be fine to go ahead when the new season does start. Um, I think a few clubs now starting to you know, make their final signings and get training underway. So, yeah, the the restrictions are easing, which is a positive step. So over here, once we finish our season, it's not really a finish. It's a finish of the 11 aside. Then we have all the finals and cups. And then we have regional competitions, like we have um, Blackwood five-a-side, Bunbury five-a-side, Margaret River... Um, carnivals, Bunbury carnivals. We have all these different things out of season. Then we have walking football, and then, then you we have, have trials yeah, for the oh next God. season, oh which God. is pretty much a week after <laughs> the season finish. Then it's April. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, d- it, does that happen locally in, in your football environment as well? Yeah, there is a lot of uh, local comps. Football, obviously, being a big one, mm-hmm. the six sides and whatnot. But I believe they were all scrapped this off season, just purely because. Uh, we were in lock. I mean, we've been in lockdown for yeah, fourteen weeks or so now. Mm-hmm. So none of those went ahead. Um, and obviously, last season the season did have to get scrapped towards the end. So yeah, it's been a horrible, horrible off season, I suppose. But hopefully, from now, um, we shouldn't have any issues. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed for everyone over in the eastern states. Mm. Um, mm. Just been such a manic year of changes and yeah, different things happening. With the COVID situation over East, is so I've seen obviously a lot of clubs going ahead um, for the A-League men's already training. How does that happen? Are they uh, in a bubble? Do you know? I don't know exactly. I know they've been given exemption um, by the government because they're a professional sports team mm-hmm. to train. Um, but I'm not too sure exactly how it's working. But I know that I don't think there's any MPL sides training just yet mm-hmm. um, until the lockdown ends, which would be in a week or so's time. So, I, yeah, as far as I know, the professional sports teams are allowed to go ahead um, because it's classes work, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, um, I hope you stay safe. I hope the weather's okay over there. Uh, we're safe over here, yeah. and the weather's near. <laughs> yeah, today <laughs> it's, not it's stopped raining now. It's absolutely bucketing down for a few minutes. Yeah, this uh, live streaming's happening, and as Dave has just uh, messaged me in, good morning, football people. Today's the day, Mum FC versus Swan United. Go the Villa! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so my, my club in the men's side of things is playing for promotion to the State League Division One. Go, Mum! Yeah. Yes. That's what you love, the promotion relegation that we need yes. on a national scale. That's right. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. That's what we're fighting for. <laughs> absolutely. So, Aaron, thanks for the chat. Really do appreciate your time. Stay safe over there. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, as usual. Yep, no, no problem. Worries. Thanks, thanks so Aaron. much, Aaron. See ya. Awesome. See you later. Bye. Bye. That was Aaron from the um, World Football Tragics Pro- podcast or just football. football i'm so used to saying world football program <laughs> football tragics podcast yep so it was great having a chat to him yep i think very excited for perth glory this season yeah um or i don't know so i think i'll have to support adelaide in the men's as well oh. now so well, it's, it's I, been I nice having you on the program <laughs> this time. yeah i'll leave now <laughs> uh we will go to the break now and we'll be up talking to steph brands which will be exciting we'll talk about the new a-league dub a league women. See, see. It's gonna take some getting used yeah, to. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. It's Miranda Penn and Pete in the World Football Program. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, I'm Penny Tannerhoe. It's season thirty-four for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. We are the longest-running football show in Australia. Morphed from a sports program way back in 1987, the hosts and voices may have changed. But the content, filled with passion, news, characters and history, has not. The World Football Team are all volunteers and we appreciate you listening in. 2021 brings a new look with a new logo, website and podcast. Thanks for sharing the journey with us on Radio Fremantle. If you like us, become a member of the station. Find a membership form on our new website, The World Football Programme. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. West Coast Futsal Association was established to develop and promote the game of futsal. With a vibrant new look and re-imaging, we are now Futsal WA. With a dedication to capture the fast growth of the sport to all levels, Futsal WA is Futsal in Western Australia. Futsal WA provides boundless opportunities to play with grassroots and junior leagues, pathways to academies, and elite club competitions and representative futsal that can help you follow a dream of professional futsal in Europe or Asia. With four venues across Perth, as an individual or as a group of mates who want to play, there's a junior, men's, women's or mixed competition that will suit you. 
Contact us to get involved in futsal, an action-packed sport and the fastest growing sport in Australia. Contact us at Futsal WA on 0432 745 140 via email at info at futsalwa.org.au or via our website www.futsalwa.org.au I'm Rhonda Templeman, goalkeeper for the Junior Matildas. Join me and local women's football expert Penny Tanahoe as we share our news and journey through the football calendar with the best guests from your local community and all across Australia. You're listening to the World Football Programme on Radio Fremantle. I can't imagine what it was like. In thick boots and hand-me-down jerseys with their hand-sewn crests. Chasing heavy leather balls, selling from baking stalls, all to play for the green and gold. I wonder, could they ever imagine that? Eleven would be joined by tens of thousands, by millions in stadiums and in front of lounge room screens, capturing the hearts and the minds of a nation, powering tomorrow's dreams, role models, Visible and renowned, loved and adored, in Australian homes and across the shores. As a Matilda, I've been part of something special. From dreams and hope, and now to watch the growth. We've sacrificed, but they sacrificed to the extreme extent. Their shoulders broad, holding the aspirations of their generation and the next. And now we will continue on the path set by them, the fans, along with our brothers who we share the coat of arms, and all those who will continue the legacy set before us. You're listening to Radio Fremantle 107.9. Thanks, everyone. Sorry for the extended ad break. We're struggling to get the number for <laughs> Steph Brandt, who we've got on the line now. Hey, Steph, how are you it's going? It was all me. It was all me, right? <laughs> uh, you, got, you got it right, clearly, eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Steph. How are you going? I'm thank- really well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're super awesome here. Miranda's got her back to the studio window and can't see any of the crappy weather that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oblivious to it. It's fine. I pretend yeah. it's not there. The weather's been awful this week in, in Perth. What's happening over your way football-wise locally? Oh, let me think. Nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in, I think, uh, gee, we must be somewhere around the 100th day of lockdown by now, yeah. uh, especially in this uh, suburb. I've just come out of hotel quarantine yesterday, though, so it sort of hasn't. That part for the last five weeks hasn't really affected me, but it's, uh, yeah, business as usual or not, as the case may be. It's uh, exactly the same as it was before I left. I guess that means a lot of Zoom meetings and telephone conversations. Uh, Zoom-a-thons, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's the way the world. It seems no one can ring anymore. You have to actually do video calls. 
which is a little bit tedious because it means you have to get dressed and brush your hair <laughs> yeah. and things like that. And make sure your bedroom's tidy and you've got a yeah. nice prop in the back. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. So, or you can just cheat and put the edited background on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't do that on my Apple yeah, well, Mac. There is that. I'll have to learn that one. So, Steph, um, what is happening on the Steph Brandt football or sport landscape at the moment? Uh, well, as I said, I've just uh, been away. So I was in uh, New York for the US Open tennis, which was pretty fun. Uh, it was a super competition, as you would have uh, uh, seen a unique outcome with uh, two of the teenagers uh, winning the women's mm-hmm. uh, through to the women's final and Emma Raducanu lifting the trophy, which was just phenomenal to have a qualifier come through without dropping a set. Uh, and then such a fast men's final with Daniel Medvedev uh, defeating Novak Djokovic, which is a bit of a surprise as well. Mm-hmm. Um, even more of a surprise, what it, what it was like, uh, and this would not resonate with any of you at all, but to come from a lockdown uh, suburb here in Sydney and step off a plane uh, into a completely normal society. uh, It was quite interesting to see how uh, the the country is living with COVID and they're having, they still have an extraordinary number of not just cases, but deaths Mm. each day. But life as they know it is uh, somewhat different, but it's it's very much, uh, very much back to normal. Uh, So that was a good experience, um, flying on a plane with 11 people on it. It was also uh, bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) And going through a a departures uh, process where I was the only one in the terminal. That was interesting at this end as well. So, yeah, so it was a bit of an adventure, but uh, back to the real world. And, uh, yeah, came back just in time to hear the uh, rebranding of the A-Leagues, plural. And, of course, I'm on the board of Football New South Wales, so we're desperately trying to get the competitions back and, and... really trying very hard to uh, see what that looks like uh, when we resume at uh, 80% uh, vaccinated we'll be uh, we'll be back on the park so that'll be wonderful uh, to to actually have that football back and I think for everyone's mental health very important as well and uh, yeah on top of that I'm chairing the sports diplomacy advisory council for DFAT so that's been really interesting to see what's happening on the global front and uh, uh, look at how we can better our relationships with uh, our overseas partners through sport because everyone mm-hmm. loves to talk sport it's uh, uh, i guess a, a good time for us to start finding uh, some friendly sport people in france and, and mend those fences there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I saw that you were involved with the um vax to be back campaign for ffa which is great to see around on the social media at the moment yeah absolutely and as as you would know i'm not sure how how much of this uh, swallows up your your news cycle in in Western Australia, but it's certainly an obsession over here mm. to reach that seventy then eighty percent uh, vaccination yep. because of just what it means to everyone's everyday life. So yeah, it was fun to be uh, uh, part of that. All I've got to say that was another one, a request that came through after I just landed, uh, and I had just got into this hotel room and I was like, no. Oh background we want for this (laughs) you're a much wanted person what's your summer of football going to look like for stephanie brantz um yeah i don't know at this point actually it's uh, because everything's of course changed and i worked for the abc which uh those rights have gone now obviously Mm. and uh, i think there will be some uh commentary still whether that's with paramount plus or not uh I i don't know but there'll be some uh some opportunities, and I have no idea what's happening on the W, w League front. Oh, sorry, the A League <laughs> women front. We've been doing it all morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's us too. 
to be honest, uh, whether they've already uh, picked their team or whether those are discussions still to be had. I know they were locking down the uh, the A-League men uh, because, of course, that one starts starts first. But I, I'm interested to see what the model looks like because I don't think uh, we live in a market anymore like the opportunities that I had with both ABC and Fox, where you'd jump on a plane every weekend and fly to all your different matches. Mm. Uh, Fox certainly didn't do it last year, and it was only because I worked for the ABC that I, I got to still travel around the country, uh, which I really enjoyed. I think all of that's changed, and it's probably across all sport. So I'm interested to see uh, see what happens there. Obviously, love to still be involved, and I will be in, in some aspect because I work for ESPN. So okay. there'll still be the uh, the written work around the uh, not just the A-League women, but uh, football in general. I think when we talked to Danny Townsend, we weren't sure if we were going to get Danny on the show today or not. We ended up capturing him for about uh, 10 minutes or so. And I did ask him about uh, media and if there's going to be a voice or face of, of football and uh, mention your name. And uh, and I, I'll, I'll gladly call him 10 times and just to, you know, let him know that you are the face. <laughs> the and just get your lever in there. Um, but he, he, he pretty Very much... Very kind of you. He pretty much indicated that the... And I think it was because of the environment or the landscape that football is in at the moment that they'll be... You know, sharing the load and I, I kind of get that that if people aren't going to be traveling around so much then they can't then they're going to have to have different people in different places mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't know how that's going to look football going to be yeah I'm, I'm yeah I'm not sure either but of course there's a, a rather large hub that's being developed certainly in Sydney where it's no longer a requirement for anyone except uh, the people who have to stand behind cameras to actually be on site at the pitch. I think it's sad because it's sort of... Do you know what? This is a lie. I was going to say it ruins the experience, but it doesn't because the viewer has no idea. Uh, and certainly when I watch football, I don't actually care where the, the team calling it is from or I don't care if people are standing on the side of a pitch when they do their half-time rap or things mm. like that. That doesn't yeah. bother me. Uh, but I know for uh, some viewers, they feel that there's not been investment in the product if they can't see people actually at the ground however the nrl and the afl have been using the hub extensively and during COVID, i think certainly if i was a production company i would be quite cognizant of the fact that uh, you save a fortune mm. <laughs> so that's a distinct a distinct possibility but yes i had uh, also heard that they would be using people in individual markets and i imagine that the majority of of commentators probably live in sydney or melbourne mm. yeah uh, so if you guys want to jump behind a mic, I think your opportunity's coming. <laughs> there you go. Well, I well, think... That's if Perth's going to play at home. <laughs> well, yeah, this is it. I mean, Miranda's well, sitting behind the microphone right at this moment, so she's doing a bit to train herself up, which is great. Exactly. And Perfect. Done a little bit of commentary on our uh, live streaming finals game at the end of the season as well. Yeah, now we've got a great live stream, so great. Yeah. Exciting. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, Miranda's here for... Uh, till Friday, was it, Miranda? And yeah, off to Adelaide on Friday. Playing for... Oh, brilliant. Yeah, that's so, so exciting. And, uh, yeah, it'd be wonderful to, to watch and just actually get things started again. Yeah. 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 I think that's... I was talking to Adrian Schenter, the head coach, the other day. He's just like, oh, this has been the longest off-season ever. Like, mm. I just want to get back on the pitch and do it all right. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're in Adelaide. Like, you've had nothing. <laughs> I've been in Sydney the yeah. whole time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. So, no, that'll be good and, and all the very best. Looking forward to watching. 
Uh, Steph, um, you have been involved in some projects recently. Despite being in a quarantine, there's always stuff happening around you. The 100 years of football has been celebrated. Tell us about your involvement with that one. Yeah, that was really cool. Well, actually, it was, again, it was remote because mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't be up there, but Football Queensland hosted an amazing event for that. And I did an interview with Jane Fernandez, the COO of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023, uh, which was fun. I mean, actually, I think I said to Jane, I felt like I was stalking her because it was the third interview I'd done with her for various purposes in a week. <laughs> so uh, we had become, uh, yes, very firm Zoom buddies by then. Uh, and, yeah, great to, to hear that the celebrations had gone forward with such force. Uh, I'm doing an article at the moment for, for ESPN, which should be out next week, which just shows an interesting contrast because while we're celebrating that first publicised uh, football match or official football match in Australia and, of course, uh, the commemorations or celebrations in in Europe and, and England are probably about 120, 140-year mark. Mm. But in Saudi Arabia, they've just formed their first ever women's national team. Mm. And I had a chat to their new coach, uh, Monica Staub, a, a German former player and very experienced coach in, in all of those sort of Arab Gulf countries. And she's taken on, on the job of not just... Uh, developing this national team but she's also building a women's football program from the ground up in a country Mm. where quite frankly a few years ago women weren't even allowed to drive Mm. Uh, so for them to be recognized by their federation playing football is it's a really interesting counterpoint when you live in a country that's celebrating a century of it albeit uh, various uh, stages of development through that hundred years Mm. but uh, yeah it's exciting to see what's happening on the on the global front as well. Yeah, I love the work that DFAT does with, with Football Australia. Like, I was privileged enough to go to the um, Pacific Step Up Tour, which was a DFAT-funded oh, so tour. Long. Yeah, um, that was brilliant. Yeah, which was amazing, where they worked across the um, uh, three islands, Tonga, Vanuatu and Solomon Islands, with developing a partnership between the countries. And it was, as you say, so vastly different to the experience. Like, we think, you know, we've got it tough here, you know, fighting for equal pay and all that, and you go over there... And we played in the Solomon Islands, and it was the first time that the women's team had been allowed to play in the stadium. Mm. Um, and yeah. there was all these amazing things that came for each of the countries afterwards. And it's great to see that you know we're getting ourselves in a good place, but we can help other countries to do the same. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why the uh, Sports Diplomacy Advisory Council uh, was developed originally because it's uh, it was put together by Maurice Payne, the Foreign Minister and the Minister for Women, and it's. I'm working with an extraordinary bunch of people and uh, one of them, Petro Sivnaseva, is uh, already, he leads uh, the Cavite Silk Tales, which is a a program that does rugby league in those Pacific countries. Mm -hmm. And I remember having an extensive chat to Kieran Lilly, who does international relations at what is now FA. It was when they were doing it, it was FFA, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me about the specific step-up program. I think, was it the young Matildas, Miranda? Juniors, so the under-16s they got to go over. Yeah, yeah. And telling us about that and they made a uh, documentary mm-hmm. style feature on it and uh, it was just such a, a lovely program and, and not just a great way to assist and, and develop football in those countries but I think a great learning experience for us as well mm. um, just to be able to go and, and see how things unfold on the other side of the world and also I think to give us a little bit of humility when we're um, you know, carrying on about we don't have this, we don't have that mm. while it's our right to have it it's uh, it's I think uh, sometimes humbling to yeah. see what people are doing with much, much less 
So, yeah, I, I just think it's interesting in a, in a country where, you know, we're arguing about uh, gender equity and uh, gender equality and uh, sort of the uh, the right to equal pay and fighting very hard to get a, a similar length season and, and all those little bits and pieces that are, are so important uh, to show that the women's program, whatever you're going to call it, is on the same footing as the men. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, over there they just want kit and yeah. pitch and be nice to the coach and <laughs> things yeah. like that. So, yeah, but that's part of why I love that that work so much. It, it's fascinating and, and I think it just helps keep the world in perspective as well. Perspective, yeah. yeah. Definitely. I have a question for you, Steph. The World Cup that's coming up, um, I take it that you would be hoping to be part of the, the commentary for that. And I'm talking about the Women's World Cup, but I'm also talking about the Men's World Cup. Um, with the great voice and the you know, the you your whole portfolio, would is that what you're aiming for? It would be your pinnacle of, like, sports presentation to commentate at the mm-hmm. World Cup? Do you know what? Funnily enough, no. Um, mainly because I was a presenter and reporter before I was a, a commentator. And I've moved more recently into the production side. Mm-hmm. And I really love that. I went to the uh, Women's World Cup in France uh, as a producer for FIFA TV. And that was amazing. We were... I was producer, I had an assistant and a cameraman in our little team. And we were embedded with the Matildas. So everywhere they went, we went. We stayed in the same hotels. We got all that, you know, the behind-the-scenes footage mm. that you see, which is released from usually a world feed. Uh, we shot all of that and did those interviews, and I found that really fun because it was a whole different perspective. And while I think... Part, part of me was thinking I want to start working with the, the world feed and even doing some of the youth World Cups and, and doing commentary on them because I think it's... Probably from a career perspective, it's an important string to bow, and it would be an absolute honour to to call at the the pinnacle event. Uh, I thought I also enjoyed just those other opportunities around it. So if, I'm a little bit torn as to in 2023 whether I want to angle towards that or whether I want to continue to work with uh, the FIFA TV crews, just because it was it was so much fun, and I'm certainly hoping to go to Qatar and that in that capacity as well. So uh, we'll see. Also, I think on the commentary landscape, um, you three are very, very kind indeed, but there are far better commentators out there. So (laughs) I would need a lot more practice before I got to that point because I didn't get very much practice. Even when I call the what was the W League, you do, what is it, 13 games a year? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that's a long time between drinks till the next... <laughs> season rolls around, so if we're going to properly develop female commentators in football or commentators in, in general, if they're going to come through the women's game, uh, there needs to be a lot more opportunity. And I think uh, perhaps calling on things like FFA Cup games and, and stuff like that. And, and when I alluded to uh, commentary, whether that's the A League women or whether it's the National Premier League or, or that level, uh, to me it's it's still football. Mm. It's you know it's that's what we love. We love the game. I'm not actually that bothered as to whether it's a, a high-profile game at, at, you know, Optus Stadium or Amy Park or whatever, or, or whether it's, uh, you know, down at Lambert Park, my local, with uh, still 11 v 11, and it's, yeah. it's still the game we love. So <laughs> uh, to, to me, the commentary process is the same, but because it's not been my entire life, you know, people that grow up wanting to be commentators and they, you know, call 
over the top of the television and things like that. I've never been one of those people. It was an opportunity presented to me by uh, Murray Shaw at the time who headed up the Fox Sports commentary team and he said, we're having a chat and he said, I think it's about time we had a female calling in the women's game. And I was like, mm. oh, how enlightened. Um, <laughs> and then he said, how do you feel about doing it? I went, oh, okay, no, scary. Uh, that was uh, four or five years ago. And yeah, I've, I've absolutely loved it. But, but that's why, for me, it's not the, the make and break of, of my world. I love doing it, but if there was uh, someone out there that was so, so passionate and, and really well, I'd love to see them given the, the opportunity. And well, the only thing I find a complete shame is as a lead caller in women's football, I think I might still be the only one, um, mm. <laughs> which is pathetic. Like, where, where are they? Because I can you cannot tell me there's not women out there that would like to be given the opportunity. So, mm. you know, I'd love to see that. I've been doing some mentoring work with um, uh, Brass Next Productions. Oh, I can't remember what the, the program was called. It was through the ABC, but it was specifically for female commentators, mm. and it was across all sports. Uh, and I had Grace Gill and Michelle Heyman as my mentees, which worked really well because I was able to call with them at W League games that season. So to be able to work with them and, and develop their skills, and Grace certainly has has gone on to be, I think, an exceptional um, co-commentator and analyst. Uh, I think she's fabulous, and I see she's been picked up by Stan as well uh, for the some Champions League stuff. Uh, so it's it was really great to see her develop, and Michelle, of course, has gone back to playing. So and she's also got oh, I don't know. Can you remind me some other role with Football Australia? I want to say community, maybe um, an ambassador. Yeah, something like that. But she's actually, I think, working in a program there. So she enjoyed it, but I don't think it's her focus or or perhaps what she wants to be doing 100% of the time in the future. But there's so much room for us to be developing uh, female commentators coming through. And I don't require my women's sport to be called by females. I actually don't care as long Mm. as they're competent and they do it correctly and, Mm. and don't you know, annoy the crap out of you while you're watching. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm perfectly happy to listen to anyone. And that's why we have a mute button. If you don't, uh, <laughs> don't enjoy it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, ser- I certainly think that as long as the opportunity is there, so if there's women out there that want to do it, that they are being given those chances. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that's great. And and you're right. There's I, I listen to various sports. AFL, there's definitely more presenters, com- female commentators coming into that and um, I, I know my dad and I have discussions about this because he's not a soccer person and I'm not an AFL person but because we're in the same space we listen to those things and we comment to each other and um, I am definitely hearing more female presenters in the AFL space um, and he's like I just, I'm just not used to this pen and I'm like well it's the way of the world dad mm. just, it's just yeah. happening <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly it's uh, it's yeah, it, the, the more we normalise it, the less people will notice, yeah. whether it's male or female, they'll just be good or bad. Yep. <laughs> now, before we let you go, we have to talk about the upcoming Matildas matches, which are not happening in Perth, no. okay, but they are happening in Australia, <laughs> um, and that's... Yeah, come Brazil. on over here. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if we can well, get right. out, are we allowed out? <laughs> well, I think we can well, go there, we can come just, back. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, so you'll just need to move to the East Coast. Uh, yes, that's exciting, it's great to have uh, international sport returning to Sydney and that'll be the first time it does. I hope we can have a significant 
significant amount of uh, fans. I think mm-hmm. it's unlikely that we'll have... Uh, certainly, We certainly won't have 100% capacity, no. but uh, certainly hoping that there'll be you know, at least uh, the opportunity for half, maybe uh, three-quarters of the stadium, uh, and just to see them back on home soil because, uh, quite frankly, I feel like we could do a bit of a reconnect around the Matildas. Yeah, I know that I we talk about them being so popular and, uh, you know, everyone's very engaged with the brand, but I feel a little bit like... That's... Disconnect to the actual team itself. Yeah. yeah, there was a connect to the Olympics but I'm not sure whether that was Matilda's related or because the Olympics just went gangbusters because, yeah. you know, most of the country was stuck at home. Yeah. Uh, so that was exciting. And I thought they did really well um, to progress because if you look at their actual wins in regulation time, mm, <laughs> yeah. that many, uh, you know, I don't want to be negative Nancy about it, but I, I think they've got some room to grow. Uh, the football hasn't blown me away. And bear in mind that I love this team and we all know a lot of the, the women on it and they're fabulous people. Mm. But as a team, I think Tony Gustafsson needs to get some wins on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Needs to get them playing cohesively and needs to stop the back line leaking goals. Just to confirm for our listeners, October 23 and 26 in New South Wales, there's two Matildas matches against Brazil and there's possible matches against the US in Australia too in November, but we'll see how that kind of goes. And I, I can't remember, are the Socceroos having some matches later? Uh, th- this week we've got a World Cup qualifier coming up. Okay. So we Sweet. are, and, it's, it's one of those home one, games that's not at home. Okay. So. Yeah, where is it? Is that Oman or? Uh, it, it's being yeah. played in Qatar, so the same place where we uh, played against China. Mm. Um, nice, nice venue. It's, uh, it's almost our home away from home. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're uh, playing Oman and then on the 12th of October, we're away to Japan, which is probably the big game of the of the um, yeah. qualifying for us. And Oman actually did steal a 1-0 win away in Japan, so they're no pushovers either. But hey, if we could win those two, we'd be almost ready to book our tickets to Qatar. Yeah, yeah and I think uh, I think it would be extraordinary if we weren't booking tickets, to be honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think also, am I correct in thinking we play Saudi Arabia? Uh, yes, they're in our group as well. Yeah. So the 11th of November, we are... Again, at home in inverted quotes uh, against Saudi Arabia will be a uh, that's the yeah, last and I think there's play. hopes that that one yeah I think there's hopes that one will actually be at home. Okay. So, I, yeah, I could imagine it's Qatar's all... almost a home away from home for them as well. So mm-hmm. maybe bring that one. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, so. And uh, it all, of course, is around uh, how we can manipulate the, the quarantine and and I believe from certainly from next uh, the week after next we'll be able to home quarantine. Yes. for seven days instead of uh, 14 days in New South Wales. So yeah. that makes it a little bit more attractive for sporting team. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Thank you so much, Steph, for having a chat with us. Really appreciate it. Nope. Oh, did we and just I lose think we her? just lost her. That was, like, really bad timing or really good oh, timing. That was good yeah. timing in a way. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that was Steph Brantz, who oh, I'm not quite sure where we'll hear and see her this summer of football, but I around. Hope you do. I well, think, she said she be likes around. being behind the camera now, so yeah. she might be involved without us knowing it. Mentoring. Yeah. yeah. Good. Definitely. Great show today. Yeah, thanks, guys, for well done, letting for me hosting. in the seat before <laughs> I leave. Yeah, good job. You can come back and jump in there anytime you're back in <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week, and next we have Lens Bag Screws on. So thanks for tuning in. Bye. Good on you. See you, Thank team. You.
join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.